0: This episode of Make Your Pitch is brought to you by BET. As a business owner, have you ever asked, uh, how is my business ensuring profitability and sustainability? Uh, Or does my business drive its growth and agenda through a defined strategy? Maybe also, is there a performance management system in place? If you hesitated to answer any of these questions, you need to take a look at the Business Enabling Toolbox, BET. To find out more about BET, check the show notes of this episode. This is Make Your Pitch. I'm Christopher Knight. And I am Ellen J. Harris. Together, we chat with entrepreneurs with great ideas looking for investors to back their vision. We want to be
1: sure investors are there as well as to find the next big hit.
0: So let's get started. And a big hello and welcome, welcome, welcome to this episode of Make Your Pitch. We are certainly in the business, I guess you call it a business because we have, may not because we have too much fun with it, but we're in the area of helping startup and young companies find the investment they need in order to get rolling, to live the dream that they have developed over whatever period of time you've been working on it. It might be six months or it might be six years, but we're here to help you as much as we can. But in addition to that, we're also here to give you uh, experts that have knowledge that you need within your business itself so that you don't make any the errors that some other businesses have made in the past. Today certainly is one of those days. I'm Christopher Knight. And I'm Ellen J. Harris. And we are here today to talk to Rob Bowen. Uh, Rob Bowen has the Patriotic Insurance Group, and he's going to talk to us about a few things that you need to know about insurance for your company. Ellen, would you like to tell folks a little bit about uh, Rob? Okay. Rob Bowen is
1: a uh, former military man, (laughs) and he Um, started his own business a few years ago called Patriotic Insurance. He specializes in insuring small business owners. And so he is a perfect uh, expert to come talk to us today about what we need to do as small business owners and startups with respect to protecting ourselves with
0: insurance. Okay, then Rob, let's get started.
2: Well, thank you both very much. It's a pleasure being here. Thank you for this opportunity. Um, I've spent the last couple of years working with many small businesses. And what I try to do, I get many uh, people that have a hobby. So they have something they enjoy, they have a passion. And now they want to turn it into a business. And when that occurs, what I try to do is walk them through a glide path of the types of activities they need to be doing, and also the types of insurance that need to be set up uh, initially. Because what I've seen over the years is if you don't set it up correctly in the beginning, when you're three to five years down the road, now we have to unwind everything and put everything back into place. So I start with make sure you have a good attorney, good business attorney to set you up correctly, make sure you have a good accountant if you have employees, make sure you have a good payroll company. So that's kind of the basics, none of which I do, but I, that is a, a good foundation to build off of for insurance. Um, and then what I do is go through a series of different types of policies, how they work, why you need them um, and you know, kind of what I'm protecting. And at the end of the day, my job is to keep you out of bankruptcy Um, The biggest risk of small business owners is a claim or a a liability, call it a lawsuit. Um, Someone sues you for whatever that may be. Um, You don't have the right coverage, you don't have any coverage, and now you're paying for an attorney. Um, So my job is to make sure that doesn't happen, and God forbid, if it does, the insurance company is going to be paying that claim, defending that lawsuit. So that's, that's what I do with small businesses at a very high level. And I know we're gonna talk deeper about the different types of policies.
0: Well, that uh, that means that I would, uh, as a small business, certainly sleep better at night, I would think. Yeah. Uh, yes. But I would also worry about the cost. I know you're gonna get into the various types of policies and the cost, because as you well know, most uh, small and startup businesses, the last thing to think about is insurance. So that would be, you know, the first uh, direction we'll take here. So let's let's take off that that direction. See where the path takes us, Rob.
2: Okay, so um, every insurance policy is written based on the classification of what the business is. So I I honestly ask the person, well, what exactly are you? And I get a lot of blank stares. You know, if someone comes in, they're opening a restaurant that fits very well someone wants to be an insurance agent, that fits well. Um, but a lot of people are kind of hybrids, they're working out of their house, they're thinking about moving into a building. Um, so I kind of spend a lot of time figuring out what exactly they do, because what, uh, what people wanna do and what insurance will cover could be two mutually exclusive things. Um, I see a lot of this in the contracting blue collar world where my extreme example is, you know, I'm a carpenter, but I do a little bit of roofing. Well, no, you're a roofer. Um, you know, we have to rate to the higher classification. So, you know, the first step is just figuring out what you are and more importantly, what you're not, and then understanding what their glide path is over the next three to five years and where they want to end up. So we, we basically put into force a ge- what's called a general liability policy. Most people know it as slips and falls. Um, every company has it. Um, and it's just a matter of what you're classified at, depending on the price. For example, my general liability in my insurance office is about $950. dollars probably the cheapest because I'm office, I'm office staff, I'm clerical. You know, we're not doing a high risk business here. Um, The next policy we always discuss is professional liability. So that is if you ever get sued for doing what your job is. The best example is medical malpractice for doctors. Very expensive for doctors for obvious reasons, but that's an example of professional liability. I have in my business what's called errors and admissions. So accountants would have it, lawyers would have it. Um, And then you have people who are technology folks, software vendors, they would have professional liability for their coding. And that's to prevent, uh, if there is a lawsuit, if you're doing your job and a mistake gets made or you cause just damage to your client, your client could sue you and you need that professional liability. And that's, to me, is the biggest risk most businesses take um, because they don't understand they need it and nor is anyone asking for it. Um, so, you know, in a, for example, a restaurant, you know, that, that doesn't exist. Um, what does exist is something called completed products, which means if I eat a meal and I get sick, typically a restaurant is going to take care of that, right? I mean, they're going to give you a free meal, give you a, you know, whatever gift certificate for the next time. Um, but if that, if that goes poorly, then there is a part of the general liability that they could um. So I have that conversation so they understand both different types of policies and why they need both. Uh, my question for you
1: is, the, uh, you gave an example of uh, what a, a policy might cost, somewhere in the neighborhood of $900 plus. The question is, is that payable for, uh, is that a year's worth of coverage or is it monthly? How does the payment structure work?
2: Ellen, great questions. I I should have made that clear. All commercial policies are for one year. They're an annual policy. The 900 I mentioned is for the year for my policy in my office. Um, That's the baseline. Um, I have clients that pay um, $15,000, $20,000 for a general liability. Um, Their classification is riskier. What they're doing is riskier. Most of those policies are... Base, the, the price is based on either a revenue number, your gross revenue, or your gross payroll, depending on the industry. So as you grow, those policies will get more expensive, naturally, because there's more risk. Um, and those policies are also audited every year. And when people hear the word audit, they cringe um, because they think of the IRS. <laughs> um, but in, in my world, an audit is done annually on almost every commercial policy. And what we ask for is their gross revenue or payroll numbers. We charge them for X amount. If they're over it, they owe us a little money. If they're under it, they get a credit. So the policy keeps adjusting every year. So as the business grows, those policies will naturally increase in price. Um, And there are some companies that will only do up to a million dollars of revenue. And then I need to move them to a different company. So there's insurance companies that specialize in certain fields based on the revenue number
1: now this weekend i had the opportunity to speak with a young gentleman who has just entered the ship market and i asked just out of curiosity what kind of insurance do you have and the response was (laughs) insurance (laughs) do i need insurance (laughs) That's,
2: that's usually the response ellen
1: that's right. So so I said, well, it's something that a business owner needs to consider, especially if you're going to be in drop shipping for some time. And he says, oh, yeah, I, d- I just two months old, my business is. I said, OK, it doesn't hurt to start looking at it now. And then my next question was, are you generating any, any revenue? He said, what? <laughs> revenue. OK, <laughs> make money. <laughs> OK. And so I said, this is a good question time to ask the question of rob do you cover a drop shipper uh is is that within the realm of how you insure or what you insure
2: yeah who does he who is he drop shipping for is he like an amazon delivery person he's more of
1: a shopify delivery person
2: shopify okay okay so the reason i asked the question is a lot of the big companies shopify amazon you know Uber, Uber Eats, all those kind of companies. The big company does have a policy in force. It's not going to completely cover them, but it covers something. So I always make sure understand who they're with, what they're covered with, and then we fill in the gaps. So, off the top of my head, with that gentleman, he should definitely have a general liability to protect himself. He should definitely have a, a another legal entity set up. And since he's driving his vehicle, when he is delivering is a commercial auto vehicle. It's not personal. So if he's driving his personal auto with a personal auto policy from State Farm Farmers, all the big you know things we hear about and gets into an accident and they find out they don't have to pay that claim. So he is, and there's a lot of those going on, Alan. I've talked to a lot of those people And the problem is once I start throwing insurance policies at them and the cost, it becomes cost prohibitive for them. You know, I I mean, commercial auto could be three or $4,000 a year, JL, 1,000, 1,500. I can get to $6,000, so $500 a month just for this part-time business. And he makes $10,000 maybe, so there are, honestly there's a lot of people that will just take that risk. I don't think it's smart um, because if they get into a bad accident, if something happens, Shopify, Amazon, they're not going to protect them. They you know they have an umbrella policy to kind of cover, you know above that person, but they need the underlying. If you don't have the underlying, you really don't have any coverage. So he is a great example of what, Probably 95% of the people do. They just start doing it. Someone like yourself asks the question and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, <laughs> You know, or I give them a price and they're like, Well, I can't afford that. And I'm like, and really what I do um, is I just explain the risk they're taking. You can they're self-insuring it. They're willing to take on all the risk. And I just explain the risk they're taking and some of the possible consequences. You know, I don't like to sell to fear. So what I sell to is education. So now they know, and they they can make that choice. Because a lot of it, like you said, is just is just ignorance. Because people don't don't think about it. And I certainly understand that. I mean about it until I started. You know, until so I started selling insurance. You just kind of just do it, and you end up somewhere. Because no one is, no state or federal government's mandating any of this right? If, when you start working with regulatory agencies or your landlord or someone else, they're going to require this at a minimum. But if you're not in that kind of business where you're regulated or you have a landlord, you know, no, one's going to ask for it. And you're going to find out when you have a claim and that company says, I mean, they typically will pay it, but then they're going to drop you. And then you have that whole issue to deal with. So it's, it's uh there's a lot of exposures that people have that they don't even realize, unfortunately.
1: Oh, uh, that's good to know. Now, one other example for you is I spoke with a lady this weekend who has a, what I call vintage classics. Uh, she's in the furniture or she, she um, uh, invests in, uh, in antiques. It's an antique business and they're vintage antiques, very beautiful. And I asked her if she had insurance, because I kind of knew we were gonna do this interview. And she <laughs> said, you know, <laughs> she said, "You know, I'm thinking about it, but I don't know where to begin. Can you help me? So I said, I, I will look into it for you. So my question for you, if I'm a, um, a, uh, a classic uh, antique uh, buyer and seller, what type of insurance should i be looking at looking for what would you recommend and i know i didn't give you a lot of detail
0: but that's the top line of of what her business is let's pause for a moment so we can hear from our sponsor for this episode this episode of make your pitch is brought to you by bet bet is a digital advisor in key areas of your business such as financial management, leadership, developing your strategies, understanding your customer, and understanding risk management. But most of all, understanding yourself as the entrepreneur. So if you would like an in-depth platform that shows you in-depth about your business and your business success, go to BET in the show notes of this episode.
2: Well, the first thing that hit me was we if she has inventory if she takes possession of these products, as opposed to being a middleman, we need what's called, ironically, called inland marine coverage or property coverage. So uh, like for example, people ensure their engagement rings, like expensive jewelry on a homeowner's policy. It's the same thing. So if she's taking possession, if she's actually buying this and putting it in a warehouse, and I'll talk about the warehouse here in a sec, but the, the actual products themselves, if she owns them under her name or her business name, an LLC or an S Corp, um, she needs to ensure that inventory. And if she's in that business, she'll be able to create appraisals either from her or from someone else because we're indifferent to what the cost is. We need, we need someone who is an appraiser or we need an invoice and we'll just insure to that invoice, assured to the appraisal. So we don't question the amount, unless it's you know crazy, um, but we'll insure it. And what she would need would be more called blanket coverage. And the reason she'd need that is I don't wanna have her have to call me every day she buys five pieces, nor does she wanna do this. So we would say her inventory will never exceed, I'm making a number up, $2 million, okay? And any item under, and you can set this up a lot of ways, but any item under 25,000, she doesn't need to tell us about. Anything over that we need to, we wanna itemize it, but she always has $2 million of coverage. And antiques are tough because they really, the replacement cost is how we insure things. The replacement cost of a table is the cost of the wood, but that could be uh, 1880, I don't know, I'm thinking Louis, Louis somebody, Um, And it could be worth $30,000. So that's someone's apparent value. We could insure it at 30, but over a certain dollar amount, the insurance companies are going to want an appraisal itemized. So we throw the blanket above it. So as she brings it into her inventory, we cover it naturally for 14 to 30 days, depends on the company. But yet at some point she needs to tell us about it. And we would set up a process with someone like her, you set up a a channel, an electronic channel somewhere, you basically have a spreadsheet that she would send and we would add it every month, for example. Um, and if she has a warehouse, she needs to insure the warehouse. If she has clients coming into an office, she need to insure that process. But her biggest risk is all that stuff is in somewhere and she has a fire. Yeah, yes. Because can you restore it? I don't know. Is it a total right. loss? I don't know. Um, and then of course, if she has, if she's picking it up, she's delivering it, that brings in a whole other aspect. She has employees, but yeah, her, her biggest risk is that insuring the actual property itself in the event it's lost, stolen, you know, gets wet. Um, but that's an interesting business. Cause there's a lot I've, I've insured, uh, antique dealers before, not super high end, Meaning you know some of these values get very, very high very quickly, um, but you know they, they just created inventory for me and we just insure it. so
0: All right, uh, you know moving on to a different subject just for a moment. I know you've got uh, many other areas to talk about, but uh, at what point does a company that actually started out with uh, a partnership, at what point in that development, Do they need to consider what I call key man insurance? I don't know what it's really called in your business, but that's what I refer to it as. What stage do they need to think about that?
2: My personal view is I need to think about that day one. Um, because what most people will do is they have a partnership. It's it's I, I joke, it's kind of like dating, right? Everything's great. You know, we love it's awesome, awesome. Five years down the road, me and my partner have different views. We start having a battle. Um, so that's, that's one thing, but what key man does is as, as the company grows, there's a document that clearly states how they're going to value the company, right? Cause the key man, basically, if Chris, if you and I are partners and I die, the key man insurance, the document will tell, you know, what is the company worth? How much is my piece and my life insurance policy, will pay the company to offset my, the value of my piece of the partnership. So key man insurance is, is most importantly a legal document that an attorney draws up. That defines all of that. Now the problem with key man is how do you fund it? Like you could fund it with a half a million dollar checking account. That's fine. Most people aren't going to do that. So I get a life insurance policy. You get a life insurance policy and the beneficiary is the company, not, you know, typically a beneficiary is your kids, the spouse, but the beneficiary. So the life insurance policies, there's nothing different about it. It's just the beneficiary is a company and there's a legal document because a life company, their only obligation is to pay money to the beneficiary. So they don't even know about the key man policy that the attorney drew up. It just says, if Rob dies, ABC company gets whatever the death benefit is, half a million, a million so what we do is we set up a term life policy, which is the least expensive policy for X number of years to cover that key man. So if they're one of the key members, you can do it for top salespeople. You can do it for partners. You can do it for anybody, honestly. Um, and the company pays the premiums. And that's it. For what I understand, it's a tax write-off. Again, I'm not an accountant, so don't hold me to that. But, you know, so that, that's how it works. So the company pays the policy I'm the insured life and the beneficiary is the company when I pass away.
0: Very good. Now, what other types of insurance do folks need to consider along
2: the way? Okay, so we talked about general liability. We talked about doing your job, which is professional liability. As you start growing, um, most states um, require workers' comp. So as you have employees, you you need to have a workers' comp policy. And workers' comp basically protects your employees if they are hurt at work. Again, it's based on classification. My workers, I have two employees. Um, myself, I exclude, and I'll explain that in a sec. But, um, you know, if my employees get hurt at work, there basically it's a health care policy that pays all their medical expenses. Again, I'm clerical. What is going to happen here? We'll get a paper cut, maybe? I mean, you know, but to take workers comp to a, I'll give you an example. I'm about 40 cents on the dollar. A roofer is $30 per thousand dollars of payroll. So there's a big difference there for obvious reasons, right? Cause they're on a roof. So you need in New York state, it's mandated. You have no choice. Um, people get fined. People go out of business cause they don't have workers comp and someone gets hurt they go to the hospital and they say, oh, Mr. Bowen, what happened? Oh, I was at work. That triggers an event. That hospital by law has to report to the New York State Insurance Fund, which regulates workers' comp in New York State. They look for a policy. You better hope they find one because the fines are tenfold the premium. Wow! Literally, that's the math they do. I've seen, I've seen the letters, I've seen the fines. I've seen companies go bankrupt because your you know, $100,000 policy becomes a million dollar fine. That's what happens and they can't afford it. Um, so that's one in New York state. We also have a disability policy you need to have that's unique to New York. Most, comp- most other states just have workers comp. The other two I've been focusing on lately, uh, basically due to COVID, um, they were risks before but now they're bigger risks. Uh, EPLI, employment practices liability So as all these big companies have laid people off, brought them back, furloughed them, you know, there's all laws around doing that and how you're supposed to do it. And, uh, you know, with COVID, it was unprecedented, right? What happened? So whether that was done correctly or not by Department of Labor rules, you know, it's questionable. But what employment practices protects you from is your employee, you you lay them off or you fire them and they sue you. Now you have a million dollars if it's a typical policy of legal expenses to settle or fight that lawsuit. EPLI I believe is a required policy for high turnover businesses, retail restaurants, you know, hourly wage kind of jobs um, because that's where you're hiring in the peak season, you're letting people go and, you know, Um, And it also, you need to make sure you have all your ducks in a row as a employer that if you do lay someone off there better be documentation of why you did that. You know, you can't just, you you know you can't just arbitrarily lay someone off because they have blonde hair. That's the example I always use. Um, Then the next one is cyber liability. This is huge. Um, You've seen the solar winds got hit. That was enormous. That was attached to the government target got hit the banks get hit but when you're a small business owner your biggest problem is and here's the analogy i'm going to use put all your business data on a laptop okay i walk up to you chris and say okay you're running your business give me your laptop and i walk away now try running your business you can't quickbooks is on there your crm's on there your clients whatever everything is on that laptop that's called ransomware That's where small businesses are getting attacked. Um, So yes, they're going after the big companies, but small businesses are easier targets. They lock me down and they say they want Uh, $100,000. I don't know most of the businesses have $100,000. Plus, if you did get hacked, there's fines. There's, you got a lot. If you have client information, you've got to help them with that. There's a lot of rules around this. And this policy provides you with money to do that um and we're seeing a lot more small businesses getting hacked or having ransomware put on their computers we're seeing email spoofing where people pretend to be someone else and then send you an email that oh hey the payment information changed here's the new routing and account number you send it to there and that money's gone um And all that is covered under cyber liability. So the cyber liability market is booming. It's about a $30 billion a year business right now. And it's going to to be a couple hundred billion, if not a trillion in the next two or three years because everybody needs it now with technology and computers and everything everyone has. Um, And it's not just about when someone, you know, if you're personally, someone took your, you know, your name and your address and your date of birth and tried to get a credit card off your name, you know, this is bigger than that. This is ransomware. This is, they will put software on your system and do nothing for two months and just watch you. They can, they are all your keystrokes, all your images that you have are all being recorded. So guess what they now have? access to all your IDs and passwords, all your bank accounts, everything you do over whatever number period. Um, and that can be devastating. Or if they just all of a sudden pull all the money out of your operating account. So those are the are two policies I think people need to focus on. Be aware of, of course, the expense comes in right away. Um, they're not cheap, depending on what you do. But I think for business continuity purposes, I think they're important.
1: Okay, so I was thinking of starting up a business. And I come over here to pitch. And I hear you talking about insurance. And I'm like, Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> hey, okay.
2: Ellen, it has it has happened.
1: <laughs> yes, un- unfortunately. And, and, and I'm thinking about make, doing a, a partnership with a buddy of mine. And wow, there's more uh, threat of liability and risk than just hanging out a shingle and saying, oh, I'm going to be in the uh, whatever business. So for that business owner who didn't even consider insurance, what are your top three recommendations for the person? Number one, who's just starting and hasn't done anything. And secondly, the business who has been in business, let's say for a good eight to 10 years, Where should they begin? What should they think about in order to start?
2: That's a great question. Um, The thing I always tell small business owners is when when you're paying for my insurance, I am a line item expense, right? My value has not been recognized until there's a claim. Make your clients pay for my insurance. Make them pay. Meaning, you know, if you're going to charge, if I'm going to charge you 500 bucks a month extra, then charge more for your product or service and then market me to death. Fully insured, fully bonded, however you want to couch it, because there's many people out there that aren't fully insured. And what I've trained small business owners to do is explain what that means to their client. I should be a leverage point you already paying for me, right? So why not leverage me? So when you are going in to get a contract or trying to sell a service or a product and you're, you're up against other people, have that conversation. I am fully insured. If something goes wrong here, I have an insurance policy that will protect you and protect me. That's not a bad conversation to have with a client. Um, so that new person starting out, that's where they need to go. I'm not saying my insurance is going to, make the deal, but I think you've gained a, the, a lot of respect from your potential client by having that conversation right up front. You know if if I'm going to provide you with a bunch of you know we, we always call them widgets in the insurance world a bunch of widgets and there's something wrong with them, you know here's our return policy. We'll take care of that. I also have a, a policy in place co- for completed products. So if the product's defective and someone you know God forbid something happens, You know, I've got an insurance policy that will protect you and protect me. Um, So you've got to take my expense and put it in your business plan, whether you like it or not. Um, And then you decide on your pricing or your margins or the whole business plan concept because I could be a small expense. I could be a large expense. I don't know. And all of my clients on their business cards say fully insured. Some of them need to be bonded. I can bond them too. You know, I can sell surety bonds and things like that. But they put it on there and most of them have said it makes a difference. You know, They hand the card out and they're like, Full, because a client, Full, what does fully insured mean? There's your conversation. You just open the door. To, to finish your, your, to answer your question, if someone's at the eight to 10 year mark and it could be three to five, could, you know, depending on, but they basically, most businesses start like this, then they grow quickly. OK, if they didn't do this, their due diligence right in the beginning and they're now grow fast, and faster than they realize they need to have someone come in and do a full insurance review for them. And what I do is I don't quote commercial insurance unless the person shares with me all their current policies and all their current pricing you know, this is not about buying a $10 widget where we can negotiate price. Okay. I'll give it to you for eight. I I'm not pricing this. The insurance companies are, and I want to see what they have. And what I do is I see what they have. I talk about the gaps before I even quote it. Like, Hey, you don't have this. You don't have that. You don't have this. Do you realize you don't have this? And they're like, Oh, that's okay. I don't want that. Okay, fine. I don't want this, or I do want this. And then I will go out to the market and quote it. And the reason I want the pricing is that my job is not to come back with a cheaper price. You know, I could probably do that all day long, but now you're getting a crummy policy. My job is to come back with, here's how I would recommend you be insured. And now let's put these side by side and figure out where you wanna go. You know, but I need to see where they're at because there are certain companies out there that do certain classifications really, really well. And there's very little competition. So I don't really want to spend all this time quoting it and going back and being double. And then honestly, some people that walk in here, I'm like, listen, you got a good company, you got a good policy, tweak a few of these things here, you need to stay where you're at. You know, I, in my agency, we can't help you because you're already protected correctly. And that happens once every 20, 25 times. Um, But what that does is then that person will come back the next year and have me do it again because my job is to protect you, not to give you the cheapest policy. And in the commercial world, you can write really cheap policies. There's companies that will do it. They don't have the right endorsements. They have exclusions for everything. Yeah, it's a lot cheaper, but it doesn't cover anything. So what's the point Yeah. You know, um, so that's that's been my conversation with the clients that have been around for a while and kind of know where their business is going. And then usually those clients is where we start having the EPLI, cyber, key man insurance. um, You know, uh, uh, um, there's also you can have business continuity purposes, you know, where you decide in 20 years we both partners want to sell. How are you going to fund it? You know, so we can start having those those kind of conversations and the policies that are around those different conversations. Well, okay. I think I just um, me just to... went. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think I just
0: went Go to ahead. Insurance University right there. Uh, <laughs> really wasn't it thrilling? <laughs> oh, I tell you what. I, now I, 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 I want to take the test though. Okay, I'll uh, I'll let let somebody else. I'll let Ellen take the test for for us both. Rob, that's that's some (laughs) tremendous information. Uh, And I know we could go on for another two hours, but we're not able to, unfortunately. But your wrap up as far as putting your insurance and think of your insurance as wrapping it into the product uh, makes perfect sense. And if a person is really pricing out their product properly, then they need to know that that is the thing to do. And that includes other expenses. I don't care if it's water or electric or anything else, You have to consider the Mm -hmm. fact that all that goes into the price of the sale. Either you put it in the price or you sell more at a lower price, and even that doesn't work most of the time. So, Rob, (laughs) thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate it. It's been a tremendous amount of information. I appreciate it.
2: Thank you very much. It was a pleasure being on, and uh, thank you again.
0: Ellen, do you have anything you'd like to say before we close out this episode of Make Your Pitch? <laughs> I got a whole bunch <laughs> more questions, <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, Rob, thank you
1: so very much. You really have been informative and insightful, and I appreciate
2: your time today. Well, thank you both very much. I, pre- I appreciate being here, and thank you for giving me the opportunity.
0: Well, you know, as we as we always say, and when our when we close, we're we're here to help entrepreneurs meet investors. And you can't do that unless you... Make your pitch. That's exactly right. Come back for our next episode. If you enjoyed today's episode of Make Your Pitch, go smash the subscription button, and if you want, leave us a five-star review.
1: If you think you have what it takes to be on one of our episodes, contact us by
0: going to the show notes to learn how. But most of all, be with us again next week
2: for another episode of Make Your Pitch.